right, looks like we live, my brother. Let's get it. Let's get it. What's up, peoples? So this is going to be called In Between the Game and Life podcast, uh, where I want to hear about people's experience with the game, where they first learned it, maybe some neighborhood legends, maybe their experiences playing college basketball and beyond, but also how they can take life lessons that they've learned from basketball and how it all fits together right now. So my first person we got in here is my boy, Willie's son, Jimmy <laughs> Roper from the, from the D, Detroit, from 8 Mile. Definitely not from 8 Mile, but <laughs> definitely from Detroit. Oh, man, we've been rocking with each other for years, almost about, almost about 10 years. Um, we've seen a lot of the game together, had a lot of laughs. Um, Tell me about like your first experience with the game of basketball. When did you first like your earliest remember your earliest memories playing the game and you falling in love with it? Yeah, I I remember like growing up like elementary school basketball was not even in my my future and like people always told me that my dad played and like all this other stuff and everybody around me hooped and I remember going into the sixth grade I was at home just chilling after I got done watching some Scooby Doo. And Allen Iverson was getting ready to play. And I'm like, oh, man, like, this guy, this guy's, this guy's cold. Like, I need to check him out. And, like, I ever since then, like, he is what made me fall in love with basketball. Uh, so that was, like, around sixth, seventh grade. And, like, I, I went out there and tried to do his moves and was looking silly because <laughs> I didn't know how to play. So, of course, I was just, like, out there just trying to do stuff that I saw that he do but sixth grade and I think that was my experience and like how I fell in love with it was because of because of him and like hearing his story uh kind of like similar to mine so did you did you play in leagues at that time or did you just try out for middle school yeah yeah so a lot like so I'm assuming that a lot of people that hear this is from Kentucky so in Detroit we don't have like what y'all got here in Kentucky as far as like a sixth grade a seventh grade and an eighth grade team like in Detroit it's all one team and good luck if you make it right. like that's how it was um no sixth graders made it uh and it was always seven and like maybe two two seventh graders made the team but it was mainly just eighth graders um so going with that like I like of course I tried out for seventh grade I was the first seventh grader to make it that year uh and then, and it was because I was taller, like I was, they used to call me Ben Wallace. So like I used to block shots before I could score anything. Uh, so then and he like, was, and he was like in Detroit at that time too, right? Ben he Wallace. Was. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah. I think he was like a rookie or something like that. Like it was, it was something around there. I think he wasn't even, yeah, was, this was when Grant Hill and all them was still there and stuff. So, um, but yeah, so like I, I went and I played, and after that, after I tried out that first year of seventh grade, then that's when I started playing out, like, in rec leagues and stuff. I wish they had AU, but it, it wasn't really big right? Like, like it is now. One question I like to ask people as it relates to basketball is, like, when did the game click for you? And when I asked that is, like, when I first started playing basketball, like, my first league, I was, uh, I was 10. So I used to play in the, in the streets with my friends and stuff. But it wasn't until I was 10 years old where I got on my first team. And it was just like everything was just moving fast. Like I didn't understand how the game was played five on five. Yeah. And I don't think it like clicked to me like how to actually play basketball five on five until maybe like my sophomore year of high school. So did yeah. you have a point where you kind of like, oh, I kind of understand the game, like when to pass, when to shoot, how to play defense, how to rotate, stuff like that? Yeah, you yeah. 
it, I think that was that was my thing too, man. Was I think it was sophomore year for me. It was sophomore year because, uh, like, at that point, I had played with like so many different people. At first, like from like seventh grade to like ninth grade, I was always just playing in the hood and just playing around people there. So it was just like, okay, you know, these are the same people I play with every single day. I know what they're doing. I know what they're about to do. But it wasn't until like I got asked to go play for one of the top AAU programs now like in the country uh which is called the family detroit the family and i went there and i was in for a rude awakening <laughs> it was like i mean it was all types of d1 nba players all types of stuff that's just like playing in the league now and i'm like watching them the way that they playing and i'm like i'm not doing none of that like yeah. i'm doing it, but i'm doing it like 10 steps slower and like I'm not making the no look passes and it's actually getting to the person and throwing oops when they need to be thrown. So uh, I, and then I, that was like, that was literally seventh to ninth grade and ninth grade is when I saw that. And then 10th grade, I was just like, okay, this is what it's supposed to look like. So did you ever work on the, did you ever work on your game by yourself? Like, did you ever go to the park and do drills and that kind of stuff? Or did you just play, did you pick up and play basketball? Yeah, you ever seen the movie? Uh, I know you. I know you've seen it. Um, not, not he got game. What's the other movie? What's the other hood movie? Why can't I think of it? I'm drawing a blank. Who, who's in it? Uh, this is one dude was playing by himself on the roof. Oh, um, above the rim. Above the rim. Yeah, boy, that was, he was me. out there. He was out there <laughs> playing with no ball on the no roof, ball. smacking boards. <laughs> doing all of that bro that's so that's how I was man like I didn't do any drills so what only drill that I knew about at that time was like I would imaginary play against an NBA player so I would like call it out like I'm playing one-on-one with Michael Jordan so every shot that I missed he had three points but every shot that I made I was two points and he stayed Mm. where he was at so every time like that's what I will always do and like I would just do stuff pull threes all types of stuff and like act like I had a shot clock but I never really had the I I never had the what's the word the the resources to yeah. actually go to the park and like put cones out and chairs and all that stuff. I had one trash can and that was it. And that's all yeah. I would do. Yeah. I started getting into like chairs and cones and all that stuff in high school. Cause we used to go to the gym on Saturday mornings Yeah, and whatever we would do in that practice, I'll just do it at home by myself. It's like flipping the ball up. I think yeah. that's why I'm like such a, drill sergeant now with the drills and just make up good stuff because I just took whatever I learned in practice and just did it at home just by myself but um you know I feel like Detroit basketball now I don't hear about a lot of players that come out of Detroit now like 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 some of the best players in the league are from like Saginaw Flint you know they're from Michigan but maybe not the Detroit area but when you were growing up who are some of the guys that you wanted to be like or maybe some or maybe there's a person in mind that you thought was going to play d1 or make it to the nba but maybe didn't maybe some of those hood legends yeah (laughs) yeah man oh man like i growing up it was a guy that was one he's a year older than i am man and i just made a post about him on instagram about about me and him being from the same hood but we went to two different high schools and literally, man, like all every time you would come to the hood or anything, go to any store, he was on the slam magazines, everything. And he and he went and played D1, but he didn't play like for a higher D1. He wanted to play for like a mid-major D1 and like killed it. And then he just he just ended his career, like he just retired um like two months ago. 
but from playing overseas and he made like a killing overseas. I yeah. mean, like he was making money. He was on billboards, had his own shoe. Wow. Like he still got his own shoe, still got his own company, like all types of stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, man, I thought I legit, like everybody thought he was going to go to the league, but man, playing overseas like that, man, he got, I feel like he got the, the bang for his buck right there. Like it was better than, and then there was the other guy too, that was a year younger than me. He actually did make it to the league, but he didn't like, Stay there for long, you know what I mean? What's his so, name? Manny Harris. Okay, yeah, Manny. Yeah, he played for Michigan. I mean, he was cold. Like, he was right. – and now, I mean, they literally call him the the Michigan Mamba. Like, that's how yeah. he was. Like, he was averaging, like, 50 points a game in the G League. And he's just like, man, why is he not – you know what I mean? He was only getting 10-day contracts. So – uh, and I think like he kind of gave that part up and then just started playing overseas and he's doing doing the same thing that the other guy I was talking about doing. So it's it's a lot of people like that. Like and then Deshaun Sims, I don't know if you know who that mm-hmm. is. He, I've heard of him. Yeah, he played at Michigan. He was he was my year or a year older. Can't remember. But but him, like he he too, like I thought he was gonna go far, but he only made it, played at Michigan when he played overseas, and I think he's still playing over there right now. And that's just where he's at. So, yeah, we didn't we didn't really have too many. I think the last person that I remember that's like legit, legit from the hood uh, that actually played is Willie Green. Mm. And that's the last person I think before him was Derek Coleman. I don't uh, know Willie Green was from Detroit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I mean, that's the last person that I can think about that's like actually from Detroit. I mean, of course Jalen Rose, but that's the Derek Coleman era. Right. So, uh, but yeah, man, that's that's about it. A lot you of probably other- knew you probably knew a whole bunch of more people that maybe didn't play for their high school or something that you probably saw play in the park or play at the rec direct gym that was just code. Oh man, that, like yeah. Oh bro, like I got several people like <laughs> as soon as you said that, like I had like 20 names that just went through my head of just like all these people that I know that could have played it that went to college to play and then they left after a semester just to come back home and just like, bro, like you was gonna make it. Like, why are you not? Yeah. But, you know, this is just where the cookie crumbles, I guess. Did you hear about um, Tracy McGrady is starting like a one-on-one league? Well, I guess it has started, but his thing is he wanted to he wanted to um, get some guys noticed because he's like every neighborhood across America has KDs and Kyries in it that we just don't know anything about that might have had bad breaks. Have you heard about that? I haven't heard about that, but that made that bro. That'd be nice, man. That's yeah. gonna, like, from that's what gonna, I read. It's like oh. seven. It's like seven cities going around the country playing one on one. You get to win two hundred fifty thousand, something like that. Yeah. But Man. so when I was texting you about doing this, and I think this is going to be a funny little segment, is that you wanted to talk about JUCO, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, so when I was in high school, like my main goal was to go Division One. It was D one or bust, right? Yeah. And I remember the first letter that I got after an AAU tournament was for a D3 school. I think it was called like Tifton or something like that. And I ripped that letter straight up because it's like, I'm going D1. So my, my two options out of high school, I wanted to go D1 or junior college to go D1, right? Right. <clears throat> and so I went to Eastern Wyoming College and you went to go give it, right? Go give so it, yeah. did you go right after high school or was there like a little bit of a gap? Yeah, yeah, that was a, it was, it was a gap right there. So what happened, like, right after high school, I went to a JUCO um, in, um, oh, gosh, what is it? In Battle Creek, Michigan. It's called Kellogg. And I was there for, like, maybe, like, two, three months. And then – And how I, far is that from you, Battle so Creek? So, from, from Detroit, 
to Battle Creek. It's probably like two hours. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. So you were pretty close to home. Yeah, yeah, I was real close to home. It wasn't that bad at all. Um, and then, like, I was there for, like, two, three months, and then my mom called me and was saying, like, she just needed to help with bills and stuff like that. So um, after that, I was just like, all right, I'm going to just go home. And, like, so that's what I did. So then after that, it was crazy. I had heard about K-State, and then that's when I went to K-State, and I was getting ready to play for them. And then that stuff happened. You know that story, and I don't want to go into that. But <laughs> craziness happened with that, man. And then that's when I heard about Asbury. And Coach House reached out to me from that. And then uh, I couldn't get into Asbury because I guess because I was out of school so long. It was just like they pretty much just wanted to see if I was still smart. Like, that's, that's right. how I figured it out. And then uh, so he was just like, man, we're going to find you a school. And then it's just going to get you there. And so – I say it was a it was a big gap. So I was I graduated in 06 and then I didn't play my first college game until 2010. Gotcha. Yeah. So you were a little bit on the older side on the team. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was and like it was like on that team, on that team, it was a few people that was like around my age. Um, and then like I think the the next person was probably like two years younger than me. So it was, it was like, it actually worked out. Cause I was, cause I graduated from high school early. Like I was right. 17, I graduated from high school. So it was like, just going into that, I was just like a year or two removed. Gotcha. Yeah. So tell me about when you get to junior college and this, and this can be either at go give it or when you're in battle Creek, do you yeah. remember like going there? Like, do you remember your feelings of arriving and what that felt like and stuff? <laughs> yes, bro. Like, <laughs> The very first time I got there, like Kellogg wasn't as bad. I mean, it was still bad, but like the main, my main one, like I don't even want to talk about Kellogg. I want to talk about strictly about Go Gibbet. I mean, it, literally, bro, it's I, Coach Shouts hooked me up with this school. He was just like, man, this school is in Michigan. And I was just like, oh, I bet like my family can come. Like this is, this, this would be perfect. Man, I talked to the coach from Go Gibbet. He was like, yeah, man, I'm going to pay for, uh, you know, we'll get your ticket so you can get up here and, you know, we'll we go that route. And I was just like, cool. I'm like, man, this is going to be cool. And I looked it up and I'm like, okay, this, I'm like, it's in the Upper Peninsula, not knowing what I was about to get myself into. Man, I get on that Greyhound bus and something told me while I'm on the bus, I'm on the bus. <laughs> like, literally, he was like, look at your ticket. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to just, just look at it and see how far we got. Boy, it was 18 and a half hours from Detroit to get up uh, to- on a, on a Greyhound. On a Greyhound, boy. And, <laughs> and that thing I know, I'm like, I'm like, what the heck? So like driving, it's only like 12 hours, but still that's, I mean, that's from Kentucky to Florida right there. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? But this is literally in the same state. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like 18 hours. I'm like, bro, what am I? So I get to this small town and they dropped me off at a, it was literally called the stamping station. And it was just like when people went to go get stamps and I'm like waiting outside. I'm like, what in the world did I get myself into? And my coach, he pulls up in this truck and I'm like, yeah, I'm, yeah, this is the last time people going to hear from me. Like, it's, wow. <laughs> I thought it was a wrap for me. I mean, this time, I mean, it was small, small, man. And I'm like, this is crazy. But like that first experience, I'm like, okay, this is, I can get used to this. It, like once I got to campus, it like, it got a little bit better for me, but yeah. Yeah. I have a, I have a special place in my heart for junior college. I got connected through to um, Eastern Wyoming through another school. I, th I, I think the school was called like Southeast Missouri state or something like that. It was a division one school. Yeah. And so I guess I wasn't good enough to get offered out of high school, but anyway, 
So they, they connected me with um, this school in Wyoming. And I remember going to church one day in the summer because I wasn't getting any offers and any looks. And I went to church with my aunt and I went down to the front. And I never, you know, I didn't go to church much in high school, but something told me to go down to the front. And so I'm praying and I prayed if I didn't have like an offer by August 1st and I give up, I said I quit. <laughs> and so I, I sent my a, a game film to Eastern Wyoming. He called me uh, and said, said that he wanted me off a of game film. And yeah. I, I didn't even ask any questions where the school was, take a visit. I just said, I'll be there in two yeah, weeks. Yeah. <laughs> So I went from Lexington, Kentucky to Eastern Wyoming. So that's yeah. 20 hours away. Right. So if I was to drive there, that probably would have been like a two or three day trip. Yeah. <clears throat> but so I remember I remember pulling up in the air, airport and I was meeting, I guess, my roommate. And he was from New York and the airport was just empty. There was like no one there. And uh, it, he was the only other black person I saw. And I was like, it's got to be it's got to be my roommate. <laughs> and so he was like this six, five dude. And we met. And then I think the coach, we, we waited for the coach to come pick us up. The airport was in Denver, which is two hours away from where, from where the school was. Yeah. And so one, so this is another question I wanted to ask you, were you about to ask me something? No, I was just asking, did you fly down to yeah. East? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Definitely had to fly. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but so one of the big things about when you get on campus to play a sport and I don't know how true this is just for other sports, but like basketball, you're looking forward to that first day of pickup, right? Everybody, you meeting everybody, you know you're going to hit the gym, which yeah. is harder than other sports. I guess like football, you don't really play pickup. Baseball, you don't. Yeah. And I remember my first night being in Wyoming, and I, I knew these dudes were going to go out and drink and party. Yeah. And I said, I want to impress the coaches. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not drinking. I'm not partying. I'm going to stay yeah. in my room, and I'm going to let them – get all drunk and stuff like that. And the next morning I'm going to kill him. Yeah. So I, I stayed in my room and I did, uh, I did drills just like above the rim with no ball. Yeah. I was doing figure eights. I was catching and shooting, doing layups. And I was, my basket was a corner of the room. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, I'm a, <laughs> I'm getting ready to kill them tomorrow. And I went out there. I had like two dunks in traffic. Like I was, they they thought I should have been in uh, North Carolina somewhere. <laughs> but tell me about your experience of that first time you're going to, you you go to meet up and you and you know it's it's open gym time. Yeah, yeah, bro. It's like that same. That's 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 the mindset that I had because my whole mindset of getting to JUCO was for me to get out of JUCO. Right. So I'm like, that's everybody's mindset. That's all I wanted to do. So I got there. And I started walking around. I like my coach was like showing me around, like to the, like the building and stuff, and like the different teachers and my advisor. And of course, you know, like when you go in to look for your classes, it's always going to be several other your teammates that's going to be there too. And I remember walking past like a couple of it was like a group of them that was coming towards us, and like he was introducing us and stuff. And first thing I did was look at their shoes. <laughs> I looked at their shoes and I looked them up and down and I said, yeah, I'm about to torch you tonight. That's the first thing I thought. First thing I thought, bro. And like, I, I know, like, I'm not the by far like the best player or anything like that, but I know who can guard me and I know like what I can do. Like, yeah. And so I, we get, we got the open gym that night. First play of the game, first play of the game. 
took dude off the dribble, dunked on three of them wow. off, the, off the top. And then it was just like, everybody was just like, oh, yeah, same thing. It was just like, they thought I should have been at Michigan, like, just the way, because I was, like, jumping off the gym, and I was just like, okay. I'm like, yeah, this is going to be cake. This is going to be cake. And then, of course, we started playing, like, other schools, and <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was in for a rude awakening. Like I said, man, that was my first game, like, in college. Yeah. My second year was a lot better, but, yeah, yeah. What so at, at my JUCO we had dudes from all over the country and people are surprised when I tell them this. So we had like like I said my my roommate was from New York. We had players from New Jersey, South Dakota, but then we also had dudes from like Argentina, Serbia, uh, London. Then the the guy from London is still one of my great friends to this day. And yeah. so as I think back, I'm like, man, how how did how did all these random people find this little town in Wyoming to go to school? Yeah, that's so, crazy. Where did you have did you have a diverse set of people at your oh, school? Man. The the furthest the furthest that we've had was probably uh, we had this kid that was from New Mexico, and he like that's literally it. Everybody else was like from around that area. So like in the Upper Peninsula, like if you look at the map, like we're really close to Canada, and then like we're really close to like Wisconsin. So it's like we had a lot of those people was from there. And then we had like two or three people that was from Detroit, where I was from. Right. But everybody else was like from around that area. And we just had that one dude that was from New Mexico. And everybody else, it was just hometown kids. That's when, when you said that, I was just like, boy, y'all had a, y'all legit had a recruiting team. Like, yeah, yeah, I guess we did. Cause I don't, I don't know how these guys ended up in Wyoming and we weren't that good. And uh, so after my, f- first year in juco i ended up getting i got cut because i i got hurt and i just had a very up and down rocky year just trying to figure it all out the second half of the school year i actually got homesick and like once i got home from winter break because i went from school i mean i went from home to school and i didn't come home until winter break and i was home for like two weeks and i went back and didn't leave again until may yeah and so when i got home i didn't want to leave and so I think that probably contributed to a rocky second half of the season. Um, yeah. Did you did you have any of those kind of pains when you were when you were at JUCO? I mean, at your first JUCO, you, you had to go back home. But at the second time around, were you more focused? Did you have any like homesickness and stuff? Yeah, man, I, I didn't I didn't really have any homesickness at all, man, because I was like, I, I'm like your your situation was a little bit different than mine. But like it was I didn't want to go back to Detroit because I was like worried about a lot of different things about like it being like the murder capital and like all that stuff. So like, I was like, only reason I would go back was to get into some bad stuff. And like, I didn't want to go back to that. So like, I was always focused on just like getting out of that and like, just trying to make it to the, to the next level. And then, and you're, and so you stayed two years at go give it. And then the second year y'all went nationals. Uh, no, that was, was the first year. year. First year we went to nationals. Second year we was a game away from nationals. What so, What was it about that first team that that enabled y'all to get to nationals? Uh, that first team, like we was just, it, it was different, man. Because like we, I think we only had lost like two games that year. So a lot of those guys was like returning players, mm-hmm. and then like once me, it was me and one other guy that was from uh, Milwaukee that was like the freshman on the team. And when we got there, we like, we just fit in well. So like we started like everything and um, it was just, it was just that extra piece that like coach needed for that team to like kind of go to that next level. And I think we just all gelled well together. 
like nobody wanted to be the star. Like it was just like it was just like perfect, like just a perfect blend of players. And I mean, we made it all the way to Nebraska. And when we played against Nebraska, they was an undefeated team, and we saw why. <laughs> we, we saw why. <laughs> Y'all get bopped. Yeah, I mean, not not too bad. Like first half, like they came out, it was like 30, 30 to two, like something like that. It was just it, wow. it got real, real rough, real quick, and then. We kind of like honed it in, and we only wind up losing by like eight or something like that. But it was like it was where where it was easy to them. It was like we was huffing and puffing, like on our end. Wow! So it was a whole nother level. Talk to me about so when I got to junior college, one thing I wasn't aware of, and like I said in high school, I was all about Division One. So I had this like mindset that like if you didn't make it D one, then you must not be that good. Yeah, like other levels weren't as good. But yeah. I was shocked once we start playing games at the level of talent on other teams of other dudes. And, oh, yeah. I, and and from time to time, I think about some of those dudes I played against and how good they were. And, like, yeah. a lot of those dudes did sound the D1 teams. But I remember, like, so when I was in high school, I played the wing. And then when I got the JUCO, I played the point guard because I was the shortest person on the team now. So I yeah. played I played point, and we played this one dude. He was probably, like, 5'7". He was known as, like, the quickest guard in the – in the conference or whatever. Yeah. And I was like kind of intimidated to play him because I knew like my handle wasn't that good yet. And I knew he was probably going to get up in, in me. I remember texting Shelvin. I was like, bro, I'm about to play against the fastest point guard in the conference. You got some tips for me <laughs> of how to handle the pressure. Yeah. But, but talk about just like the level of competition and the skill of like certain players there. Yeah, man. Like the, the competition was crazy. Like it was like, like every team that we played that was in our conference outside of us, like which was which I thought was very weird. But like every team that we played against, like had at least one to two D1 players on each team. Mm-hmm. And like every time we played them, like it was just like it wasn't like mid major schools. It was some mid major D1s, but a lot was like, you know, what I'm saying some like some well-known like Pepperdine. We had a few people that went uh, to Pepperdine. Um and like schools like that, like on that level of, of players. And then like, I'm like, man, like if this guy's like this, like just imagine somebody that's playing like at UK or somebody like that, like the level of that play was just ridiculous. But we would always get the scout report of like players, like how you saying, like the fastest guard in the conference or, you know, the top rebounder in the nation type stuff. And like, we just look at that and be like, okay, like we, we definitely got our, got our hands into some crazy stuff here. Yeah. One one other thing about junior college and uh, the, the practices were so hard, bro. Like yes. I can't describe it, but like the way these coaches were like you had to sprint to everything. They had this term called like three steps where the first three steps you took to anything had to be like all out. And like they would make us like scream on defense like ball, ball, like yeah. everything was just like extra over the top. And just like some of the drills we did, and, like it'd be it'd be the day before a game and we would run, we'd run a pyramid, like one, three, five, seven, nine, 11, then back down like the night before a game. And if yeah. the big man didn't make it, then the guards had to run it for him. And so oh. I, I was always running it with, for, for the big dudes. <laughs> but like, I just remember being nervous before every practice. We're like, sometimes the games were like a relief of like, we don't have to practice. Like that's how hard the practices were. Yeah. And even in warmups of the games, like if we weren't going hard enough, they would pull you to the side and make you do like box out drills against the wall. 
where they would tell you they would tell you take off in warm-ups if you weren't like rebounding the ball hard enough. Oh or, no. So yeah, y'all was in military school, man. Like, it was it was crazy. Like I said, I used to be nervous before practice. And yeah. so when I got to Asbury and Shouse is like, all right, we're done. I was like, hold on, we ain't we ain't running. <laughs> We ain't got a pyramid, or he'd be like, he, or he was like two suicides and you done. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm about to bust these out in 20 seconds, get up out of here. Real but quick. how 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 hard or what was the level of, of uh, practice like for you guys? Yeah, I mean, man, practice practice was hard for us. Like it was a lot a lot of running because he was all about like being like real quick. Like we wanted to be like the quickest team, like no matter what it was, and like literally all of us was. Like our the tallest person on our team was probably like six, 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 seven, something like that. And he was he was quick for his size. So we wanted to sprint like as much as we can. So we did a lot of a lot of running. And like that, it was tough, man. Like tough. Like if we missed a certain amount of like layups or if we didn't make a certain time, like we was running like all types of stuff. And we was doing like sidelines, which is suck. It's like almost like pyramids, but it's like doing it from the sideline and then uh, we jump right into suicides, and he was very heavy, very heavy. And I'm excuse me if this is like a a racial term. I hope it's not, but like we used to do the Indian run like the whole time. Y'all ever did mm. that? Isn't, yeah, that like, isn't that where you run and then someone has to like run in front of you and run then like, you, like yeah. run as, yeah, 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 yeah. And he was heavy on that. He was it wasn't no like chopping the feet or nothing. Like people had to like legit like jog at a like very decent like pace, and somebody had to sprint to the front but he was like really heavy on that especially during conditioning like that was like his thing to do and bro those used to suck like used to suck because we would do it for five minutes and it was just like constantly and like sometimes it would be like he was just like blow the whistle back to back to back to back and then like everybody would just be going so yeah it was it was definitely definitely a relief like when I got to Asbury to know like like Charles was just like, yeah, this is this is pointless. Like we need to focus on other stuff. Then, like we get the conditioning done, but everything else is like, no, nah, we 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 get all the running that we need and practice. Yeah. So. One of the and then another thing about junior college, um, one thing I was unaware of is just like, I don't know if hierarchy is the right word, but like the coaches yeah. are loyal to the sophomores because they're trying to get to the next level. Like at a four-year school, if someone comes in that's a little bit better, they might play because, you know, he has four years left. The other guy might have three or two. But yeah. when you're in JUCO, like you have your sophomores that are there and then they're gone. Yeah. So sometimes I felt like no matter how how good I did in practice or what, or even in a game, because I came off the bench, like I was never going to get that starting spot. And mm-hmm. so, like, for example, the best times that I had in practice was when we would play five-on-five. And yeah. so my 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 friend from England, whenever it came five on five time, we would look at each other like, yeah, it's time to go. Yeah. And we would bust them every day. Like yeah. and and part of that was, you know, they're trying to run like the sets, like they're trying to run offense. And so the second team was just out there playing free. Like we don't have any agenda. We're just hooping. Right. But we used to bust them every day. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah. When when you came in, did you see that like that 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 sophomore loyalty from the coaches? Yeah, definitely, easily. Like you you saw that from the jump, man. I was just like that. That was just the, the dynamic that was going on because we would go into it and knowing, like like I knew for a fact I was better than 
four out of the starting five seniors. I mean, sophomores, I guess. And I'm just like, man, why am I not starting? And then like it would be, it would come to the time where we was going to practice and like we was busting, busting them like every time. Like I said, me and my other guy that was a freshman, like me and him was like, like we was like the glue. We was like the other pieces that the team needed. And then probably around like the fourth or fifth game, the coach was just like, yeah, yeah, screw that <laughs> seniority. And like that's when he started starting this and stuff. But yeah, it was it definitely was some loyalty to the sophomores and the people that put like the blood, sweat, and tears in that program before, you know, the freshmen that came. And then we had a lot of that. We had a lot of people that's been there for like three years because they had the red shirt or something like that. And then yeah. You know what I'm saying? So they they've been there for a long time in the program. So it's it's just it's just all about the what they do and like how much the coach respect them and how much they respect the coach. Gotcha. So let's fast forward a little bit through life. Like we both ended up at Asbury, um, which is an NAI school, well, division three now in, in Kentucky. Um, yeah. and now as we think about our times just playing basketball, we're both in a similar stage of life. Like we're, we're in our thirties. We're both married. We have kids. Um, You're a, you're a pastor at a church. I work in the financial realm. One of the goals of this podcast is I want to see how basketball and life overlaps to like life. You know what I'm saying? Like what, what you've learned in basketball, what you've learned in basketball, how, how do you take that to other areas of your life now as a father, pastor, you know, son, et cetera. Yeah. What are some of your big takeaways that you've man, one, the of, one of the main things that I saw, man, like, and I was very fortunate. I was very fortunate, like, because there's a lot of coaches that's out there that's just there just to get a dollar. There's a lot of coaches out there that's just able to just go and just coach just because they want to coach and go to the next level. Like, you know what I'm saying? They're just doing it just because they want to do it and not because they love the players or love the program. But I was very blessed, man, very fortunate to have literally all my coaches from middle school all the way up that, like, loved on me and, like, yeah. really cared about me. And, like, no matter what I did, because I was horrible in school, like, classes, like, I was horrible at school. But they loved me through that. You know what I'm saying? And that's, like, a perfect example of Christ. Um, but, like, I took that and I was able to, like, adapt that to my family and, like, my friends and, like, people around me like in ministry of course like that that's that's what's heavy like relationships is heavy like I want to love people no matter what no matter what they've gone through no matter what they've done like I'm gonna love you through whatever through your mess and stuff so that's like one of the main things that I took took through it and also another part is like you know if you got a if you got a horrible season you know what I'm saying like in basketball when we have horrible seasons and we look at that and we just like man how are we gonna get through this and and I remember a lot of times we would just lean on each other, like regardless of how horrible the season was, like we still, you know what I'm saying? Both, both of us, we come from horrible seasons of basketball and we leaned in on each other. And like, here we are now, like bros, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, yeah. it, it's, it's carried on after that. So I think that's the main part, man. It's just like loving people through their mess and uh, sticking through it even in hard times. Yeah. Because I think I'm understanding what you're saying. Like, even even though like someone might be going through a shooting slump or they are down on themselves or whatever, yeah. like it's important to have like a teammate there to build them up through that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's very important, man. Like it's, it's that part of it. And then it's also like, you know what I'm saying? If, if, 
you know, if you're going through something in your personal life, you know what I'm saying? On the basketball team, if you bring that to your teammates, you know, it's going to be people, it's going to be several of your teammates, man. If it's a really good team, like that's going to come around you and be like, man, we're going to get through this together. You know what I'm saying? And they're not going to let you go to your room by yourself. They're not going to go make you go to the calf by yourself. Like they're going to stick with you through that. So, you know, that's, that's something that like I want to do with my kids as they continue to get older, like, you know, whatever this mix up is, whatever this is going on in your life, like I'm, I'm going to sit with you in this. Yeah. The um, there's, there's two big takeaways that I want to talk about from my experience playing basketball. And as I've, as I get better and have more shows, I'm going to expand on more ideas, but one of them is similar to what you said about coaches. So my coach in high school was just this little Caucasian man Um who had he taught in Lexington, even though his family was in Louisville, like his wife and kids are in Louisville. And he was take, he was also taking care of his parents, but he he bought like a 15 passenger van to like take kids to practice. He always like covered our meals whenever we went out of town. We went to Florida during like, you know, like the season um, yeah. for tournaments. And we were the only team in the state that had our names on the back of the jersey. And a lot of times, like after um, after my senior year, he would give me a ride home a lot of times and just being able to talk to him and just laugh and hear about his life and stuff. Um, I think like high school basketball and even in coach, I mean, even in college with coach shouts and stuff, having like that older person that you can talk to um, mm. and just like have it be no agenda attached really. Um yeah. I think that's important because like I grew up in the household with my father, but it was also cool to see like someone that didn't look like me as him being like a Caucasian man that like cared about me. You know what I'm saying? That was like interested in my well-being and wanted to like like he had a humble servant heart towards our team and just everybody on the team. Really, I feel like he genuinely like cared for us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And then the second thing about basketball and I, I said this to a high school team that I was talking to last year. It was actually my high school team that I played for. I was like, basketball was the first time. It was the perfect example of how, like, if you put the time into something, like, you can get better at it. And it changed my life in that way. Because, like, when I was growing up, I wasn't that good because I played other sports and basketball wasn't my main priority. But yeah. once I, like, fell in love with the game and, like, put in the time, like, waking up at 7 a.m., like doing drills on my own outside of the house. Like before my freshman year of high school, I had a summer job and I like I saved up my money so I could buy my own goal at my house because we had moved and we didn't have a park near us. So I yeah. saved up my money and bought a goal and just so I could like play in front of the house and like set up chairs and cones. But like that taught me like if you put the work into something, like there, there can be fruit on the back end of that. And so, like, yeah, you might not be playing right now. Like, my sophomore year, I was the last person off the bench. And as soon as that season ended, our school had just been built with the gym. I, like, was in that gym. And no one knew I was in that gym shooting by myself, like, every day. So I went from, like, last person off the bench to, like, the sixth man of a nationally ranked team that almost made it to state with a future NBA player on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's those kind of experiences of, like, if you put the work in and if you're willing to sacrifice some time and if you love something, you can actually get better at it and like be really good at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I, I have to agree with you on that, man. Like it's like, it, it's crazy. It's crazy to think about this because 
like all I all I've known was to just play basketball. Like I never really like worked on my game. Like you knew that like I never really worked on my game. And then when I came to Asbury and we first worked out, like, you know what I'm saying? And we was like doing those drills and stuff like that. Like I was like, I would I'm like, I was like a behind basketball player, like when it came to stuff like that. And we weren't yeah. even doing anything. We were just doing curls off a of cone That's and you were about it. to throw up. All you did was up. 10 reps. Throw up. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, I'm definitely not prepared for this. Like, but, but like, but doing that, man, like, and like, I took that and I was able to continue to do that. And like, I, I'm probably like right now, I'm the best player. Like if I was to play me at 21, like me now at 21, like I bust, oh, I bust 21 year old Jimmy, like easily. That yeah. would kill him. Like, and it's just because it's just like where my game has advanced because of like all the time and effort that I put into it, like just throughout those, these past couple of years, you know what I'm saying? And like, I'm, I'm heavier than I am. And like, <laughs> like a lot of stuff, you know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. like, like even now I'm like, okay, I can look at 21 year old Jimmy and like, yeah, I'll I kill you, bust you easily. But yeah, yeah. I have to do with you. Yeah. And, and basketball also taught me how to like accept coaching or like not take it personal. Like if someone gets on me, it doesn't mean I'm bad. It doesn't mean I suck or whatever. And so I learned even in like business and in the financial realm, like you got to separate the person from what's going on. Mm. And I think that's, that's, that's super important, especially because I feel like people in our generation are struggling taking criticism and they think everyone's always out to get them and, you know, hates them and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, bro. It's, that's so true. Like that's, that's, I, I guess that's another lesson that I learned. I guess it's going off of what you just said is like, I've learned like in basketball, basketball, the only place, and that's only because I've played on basketball, but like, like accepting the coaching, but like realizing like you can't coach everybody the same way. Like you can't, you know what I'm saying? Like I can probably yell at you all day, but like as soon as you yell at me, I'm like, bro, I'm done. You know what I'm saying? I'm shutting down. You know what I'm saying? So it's like a certain way that you got to talk to certain players and like interact with certain players. And like you can take that and about it to every aspect of your life. You know what I'm saying? You can, you know, encourage somebody on one end and then you would try to do that same encouragement to somebody else and they would look at it as like, you know, horrible criticism, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it's gotta be careful of like how you do those things. And like, I've always, I was always told like going into college, uh, it's like coaches want a coachable player. Like they don't want anybody else. They want you to be coachable. And, you know, as long as you're coachable, like you will go far in life. Yeah. And, and, and <clears throat> that's especially important as we have kids and our kids grow and as they develop, you know, certain personalities and traits that, there's the way we parent one of them is the same as we parent all of them. But like, yeah. we also want to instill in them that family aspect of, you know, we we're a team, like we're the Roper team. We're the Richardson team slash household. Yeah. And we're on a mission together. You know, we follow the Lord first and foremost. And mm. after that, you know, we all have our duties. We're, we're a team. We love each other and not everyone, um, you know, like you're saying about the coaching, like not everyone's going to, um, except parenting all the same way, you know? Right. Yeah. So I just think there's a lot of overlaps between the game and life. And I think that was the beauty of what Kobe was doing after his retirement is he was intersecting these things and breaking it down. Yeah. And yeah, um, yeah it's just, it's, it's, it's all funny and crazy. Yeah, man. I agree, man. I agree. And I, and I feel like basketball and probably every other sport too, but just because of basketball, I feel like, 
basketball is the only place that you can take people from multiple, multiple backgrounds and bring them in and make them gel together on the same team. Like it's, it's crazy. Something else, my last thing, something else I forgot to mention about you is that you coached after you, you know, left Asbury, coached some middle school teams, high school teams. Um, One thing I love about coaching that I've seen in my own personal experience, whether that's been like individual coaches or individual coaching that I've done is like, I love to see people succeed more than I like see myself succeed. So when you were coaching, did you feel that way? Like when you were coaching those, those teams, did you feel like you, you wanted them to succeed almost more than you wanted to succeed? Yeah. Right. I seriously, seriously, like you really want that because like you see the potential in so many of those players and you know what I'm saying like you you want them you just like if you just do this like outside of this I promise you you'll be better than you know what I was or what I you know what I am now like you know you always compare the two because you're just like comparing your playing days to like when they play and I was just like man when I was in middle school and I was your grade like this is what worked for me and what didn't work like I promise you if you make this little twist to your game like you'll have coaches calling your phone 24 7 you know what I'm saying and yeah. like and like the, the harsh reality was like a lot of them didn't really want to play basketball outside of that. Like they was just doing that because it was fun in the moment and, and stuff. So, um, but yeah, I definitely, definitely wanted players, a lot of players to succeed more than me in life. Yeah. And I think also when you mentioned that about telling them certain things that maybe you didn't have in middle school, um, yeah. I think that also applies to, you know, all, all areas of life where we we want to be the leaders that maybe we didn't have growing up. Right, right. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree, man. That's, agree. that's awesome. Well, brother, I appreciate your time. This has been fun. Accomplished all the goals I wanted to in this first little uh, inaugural episode. Um, there's going to be more of this in the future. Hopefully this was fun. You got anything to, to add? Man, I'm I'm just excited that you're doing this, bro. This is gonna be gonna be awesome. I can't wait to jump back on here with you soon and and continue to continue to grow, man. I think this is gonna be a good thing. It's not a lot of this, you know, cross path conversation going on, you know, outside of just like people just posting stuff, but not people really talking about it, especially from like backgrounds like ours. So yeah, yeah, man, I'm encouraged, excited for you. Appreciate it, bro. Kiss those babies for me. Love you. Man, love you too, bro.